0: Yeah, so I guess there is like you know certainly three concepts which are extremely complex and charged, but you've been working uh, through them you know for a long time, and you have a very good awareness of them, which are real abstraction, alienation, and reification. So hopefully, maybe through the conversation, we can get um, a bit m- more clear awareness about uh, these concepts. And, um, and certainly lately and um, for you know, the last years you've been focusing on the concept of real abstraction and maybe if we could go um, to start with the condition that we are in you know the pandemic and how you know the pandemic is changing you know certainly our perception of time uh, but also our reality is the pandemic making you reconsidering some of these concepts, like, for example, the concept of real abstraction, or is something there that is uh, that it doesn't is not changing uh, as much? That you know that kind of uh, complexity of the concept is inherent to capitalist uh, the conditions, the capitalist mode of production, or is it make you reconsider for example this concept of real abstraction in which you maybe can give a bit of a clarification of this very charged concept which as you said these days is becoming quite fashionable you know, why is it becoming quite fashionable?
1: Yes, thanks Martin thanks Miguel for having uh, me in this a recording um yeah i i, I would say that uh, it's difficult um, to answer this question you can say that um, a certain quantity of digital screen mediated interaction will at a certain moment become its own quality so nobody can deny a certain change, at least on the experiential level. Um, Real abstraction, though, I think has a lot to do with living in capitalism, and probably would all agree that we still live in capitalism. So um, there is a strange... I I remember my paper and also a recent talk where where I talked about the aesthetics of read-abstraction, and obviously this aesthetics is more anaesthetic, or it's not, you cannot um, empirically intuit it. So that makes it a bit difficult to make an argument based on my changed life world experience and linking it directly to something which is part of the constitution. Of this reality but doesn't show itself as such. So uh, my first answer would be uh, it depends on what you understand by real abstraction. If real abstraction is something uh, that can be witnessed, experienced and given direct expression I'd say probably there is a change. I would reconsider it. If not, then I would have to go via a detour and speak more about which kind of symbolic orders, which which kind of um, structures that participate in the constitution of reality have changed through um, our uh, mode of production during uh, the pandemic, which more or less is now screen-based. But, I mean, uh, uh, this intensification, uh, we can say, has a quality of its own, it's not just more quantity, it is more than before and that, uh, on a daily level, for all of us, I guess, you can agree, it makes you organizing uh, the daily life differently. And Zoom sessions or other um, applications, the one that we use at the moment, have become much more common. And, but the idea of being somewhere, um, being in a conversation with somebody else, um, I think it's not so new through email and cell phones. We were used to it. And we also used to communicate around the globe in different time zones. I think it's maybe a more of a... Uh, um, the, the probably there will will be a more demand, you may even say fetishization, of um, offline, of offline contact. So the market value of offline live interactions will become higher. Certain scarcity of the commodity of live <laughs> interaction. Uh, this problem we can predict and that has to do with something with read abstraction but maybe more in terms of how these um, interactions will be traded what they count economically and how they translate into social the fabric of social relations
0: And why do you think that is a concept that is becoming fashionable or you know how does it help us to understand you know, reality, why it wasn't there before, uh, so much talked about, but in the later years it's been uh, also in the art world, actually, you know, and it's interesting that you talk about aesthetics mm. and I think oh, it's often misunderstood or, you know, I, I've I understood it uh, in quite problematic, uh, I've I seen misunderstandings of it in quite problematic terms, uh, you know, which uh, maybe yeah, they don't take into account the complexity in its formation and, the, you know, the kind of... Uh, maybe see more the expressions in its empirical or in the cognitive, you know, uh, qualities. They don't uh, maybe emphasize the, the, the real in, in the real abstraction, um, which I think is quite difficult to grasp because, um, yeah... Uh, it makes, you know, uh, it is difficult to understand how um, it kind of determines our conceptual understandings. So on the one hand, it affects our cognitive uh, abilities, but on the other hand, it comes out of, the you know, kind of social relations and, the, you know, the exchange abstraction and, you know, the how, you know, the relationship between concrete labor becoming uh, abstract labor. And this is a very complex kind of process. Um, but yeah, why do you think it uh, has become uh, yeah faster lately?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can only guess, but of course, I have an idea or I could assume that, um, starting from the empirical life-world experience of theory producers um, we we'll talk about that concept, that there has been maybe a change towards um, uh, grasping, not grasping, but uh, just living with more technological mediations technological social mediations or what older theorists might have called uh, prothesis, technological prothesis, this anthropocentric idea of technology. And yeah, I mean, for sure, um, we can say there are different perceptions, sensations of, um, uh, of the social mediation. However, um, the the irony of capitalism is that what you see is basically the ideology, the empirical world is the ideology, the ideology is not what you think, it is also what you think to a certain degree, but that's a different part of ideology. It is basically that you can't see the social relation, the order which organizes capitalist society or the social relation, so what you see is something else and the neoliberal mantra uh, structures don't work, Uh, I see people but not society, Uh, this kind of very flat uh, nominalism or even positivism of what society is only see real people and uh, yeah so these real people have always ever since capitalism became the dominant mode of production mediated by things or by other social relations which have results effects material effects but don't show themselves as such so society in which the social cohesion is created through division or where social relations are not abstracted, but are abstract, are produced as abstract relations in order to become, to to create some concrete, uh, the concrete fabric of social reality. In such a society, Uh, real abstraction maybe is nothing new, but I think the interest comes just from more, uh, mediations more mediations that maybe in the mind of the theory producer uh, feels like a maybe a melancholy for some concreteness or some imagined concreteness that there was before um, you could say that um, technology as a force applied in society or science gender intellect applied in uh, as science and in society creates its own real abstractions always already embedded in capitalism and at a certain moment they are felt so maybe when we talk later about alienation maybe there's also kind of pre-theoretical notion of alienation you feel alien in front of the screen you feel alienated in your life world experience and somehow it feels abstract because there is a promise of the concrete a longing for the concrete Um, but of course there's also an illusion in the concrete Uh, not to forget that concrete relations are made of abstract relations and maybe it's a good moment to reflect on them but i think you know th- these are just uh, my um, assumptions or it's, it's just i can't prove them in the art theory world in certain circles the, the um the concept had uh, had a certain career in the last five years and well, we, we, we should not be um, here uh, the um, the uh, the gatekeepers of theory I mean it's fine to have a different understanding of it and who says that real abstraction has to be understood only according to Marx Hegel maybe Sanratoto or Gizek is using it Alberto toscano has a very precise reading of it it's fine yeah. but um, uh, what I have read, I mean, of course, there's a, I would say, a legitimate or understandable interest and use of it, where it's somehow, in whatever mediated way, connected to the experience of people. And there's another one, which is, you, know, you may say, it's the result of deskilling in theory, thanks to neoliberal academia, where you get all these flat readings. That's of course sad. And I could be criticized but um i prefer to just not engage because there's no nothing interesting in that so i wouldn't put myself in the position of being like the the, the, the close reader of theory who can prove that somebody else misunderstood something no i mean maybe it makes sense for other discourses i don't know but there's a probably um but it's an interesting moment in capitalism, where you know, where we can rethink about how concrete social relations are product, produced in an abstract manner, and that we see technology uh, as one form of mediation and the abstract relations that come from natural sciences or general sciences of our work towards the constitution of our concrete social totality, how we interact here now, for instance. This is something that maybe um, can be felt as wrong, but maybe there's, a more attention, there's more attention to it. But it was there before, but maybe less visible. It has do with this here, yeah, sensuous, super-sensuous nature of the commodity, as Marx put it, uh, to clinch on or to focus on what we see is obviously not now.
0: Like you've been in this text, sensuous, uh, uh, super-sensuous, you uh, talk about the relationship between, yeah, I, I guess, the homologies between value and language. And uh, would you, like, because while previously there were other concepts that try to, that have been used in order to understand the effects of that, uh, yeah, uh, capitalism capitalist relations had in consciousness, but this was misunderstood, uh, as we said before, you know, for example, with commodity fetishism, when, you know, people think that is a subjective kind of thing that is not real, uh, then, you know, with the concept of reification, in which you take, you know, social relations uh, to be things, and, you know. so you seen you've been exploring this homo- homology how you express it between the relationship uh, between value and language and how value determines uh, language and yeah if you could go, because this is a very uh, tricky uh, question because previously there has been for example critiques, uh, i'm thinking of julian rose you know critics thinking you know critics of verification as if the level of verification is too high, then the critical, the possibility for a critical input, is negated, or I think even the, the, you know, the can be politics is negated if you know the, we are so much in ideology that it's impossible to act. So you seem to have a very precise uh, understanding of that relationship between
1: value and language. If you could just. Um, go through I it say i'm the expert or the right person to be to, uh, to be asked <clears throat> i mean uh, i take this from uh, samuel Tomchich's book on uh, Lacan and marx i think this is a really great account on the homology and actually samuel published a lot of papers on the issue of homology so i vulgarized it a little bit for the sake of my argument back and and this paper from 2016. But what I took from it was, I, mean, I found this very compelling, uh, looking for the homology between certain economies, symbolic economies, within economies, also think about his later book, political economies, that are run by an unconscious subject, or by by, by a decentered subject where you find this which makes the structure running, productive, is actually a a mismatch, or a gap, or some kind of ontological impossibility. And there the homology argument that an unconscious speaks itself in language, or that the unconscious, the Freudian, has the structure of language, Famous uh, quotes, uh, one-liners from Lacan: that this could also be made productive for a reading of Marx. That um, we find a certain structure that is uh, driven by negativity, by an unconscious subject, the subject of exchange value, or, uh, can you say, that subject that produces value as a social relation, proletariat, and I found that on the level of um, the argument how this was developed quite compelling and convincing. So uh, Samo starts, if I remember now correctly, it's also a bit some years ago for me, uh, to look at the first parallelism of economic value and linguistic value. So these are systems of values, and if you do structural linguistics other, so let's go to Saussure, uh, and another value signs of marks, uh, then you can see that there are certain ways to, to give an understanding of what value actually is. Value, obviously do, uh, belonging to a domain that you can either touch, uh, nor it's just, you know, individual illusion that somebody came up with but these are structures or symbolic or economic orders that create material effects and they tell us how certain systems function and you can say then you, um, you, know, you have a certain sign, you have a, you have a signifier and the signified and, of course, the meaning has also an linguistic value and you could um, I'm not saying it's homology immediately but I would say you can have a parallel reading of economic value then and exchange, uh, sorry, of exchange value and linguistic value. That value which in a purely differential relation is, is the marker of a position, or the positioning of one value versus the, the other value. If you remember, of course in a Saussure, there is no natural meaning or no natural connection in the, in the linguistic sign between the signifier and the signified. The bond is, as he famously put it, arbitrary. So neither conventional nor natural. Social for sure, historical for sure, but uh, this kind of uh, uh, arbitrariness of in arbitrary meaning that you cannot simply um, uh, determine its, 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 its exact condition, exact position. And I think this is something very, very important that um, could be used for Marx as well. The point, though, is that um, Saussure does not um, uh, come up with a theory of, or, or doesn't say where it, does, where it doesn't work. So where, where basically um, the, 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 the theory lacks something that we would call uh, negativity or an unconscious uh, subject. And in Samo's book, uh, he basically is doing, a, I mean, Samo's doing kind of a montage, so to speak, uh, through which he brings in Marx and Freud and Lacan into the value theory of uh, language or the value theory of science and Saussure and showing that that this system of linguistic uh, values is driven or propelled by a certain negativity which is not spelled out there. And of course you can say um, there's an unconscious subject that um, speaks a language or that makes itself known in language in, in, in symptoms uh And this unknown, and, and this unconscious subject decentered subject, some sub- neg- negativity driven subject uh, you also find in capitalism. So the seemingly purely self-referential exchange values, how they relate to each other, nevertheless <clears throat> give expression, to the social relations of actual uh, people who have to sell their labor power. That's why it's also called labor theory of value. And there is a certain homology on both sides, unconscious, decentered subject. And the whole structure is driven or run by negativity. So it's uneven, therefore productive. So it's a tricky argument, because uh, he starts the argument, if I remember correctly, with a quote by Saussure, where Saussure himself likens order to compares uh, and brings to close a parallelism his own argument on value to values in economy. And um, it's not an even system of trade, if you want. In enough exchange in the case of language and neither it is in the case of capitalism economy because what is being exchanged as equivalent is of course something where there is a difference Marx famously surplus value yeah so this was would be one way of um, showing Um, the functioning of a structure through negativity, unconscious subject um, that can be for heuristic or further um, uh, benefits compared to or put in a homology to other systems, sorry, other structures that are also also run by negativity and, and show the activity, the agency of an unconscious subject. Their language. This was something I found very uh, compelling about this book. But that doesn't help us so much for the moment for real abstraction. Of course, a real abstraction then I mean, could be understood as the structural repression of the concrete labors that are at stake the uh, selling, Buying of labour power in the production process that creates um, value, this could be understood um, as that. That kind of real abstraction uh, would be a further take on how that uneven equivalence is being produced. The next question can be. Um, on which side you would like to locate it, on the side of consciousness, pre-consciousness or subconsciousness, or is then um, on the side of um, negativity, then you would say it is an unconscious mechanism that creates the effect or the functioning of uh, real abstraction.
2: I have ideas in connection to this, ideas in connection to this notion of real uh, abstraction and a potential um, asymmetry now after the pandemic in the production of all these additional layers of technological uh, mediated um ways of socialize, I would say, or work, or understand uh, yeah, pro- the production of, uh, of, I don't know, social value. I don't know, uh, I, I, as well, I am very interested in, in creating a connection, maybe here uh, with verification, it's an interesting moment. with labor theory of value and how we can understand now and um, i don't know if you were following the last week's uh, earthquakes regarding nfts these uh, non-fungible tokens yes. Um. yeah because as well is a huge asymmetry uh, in the way in which we used to produce value and I am talking here about asymmetry in terms of, uh, and this was something that was briefly mentioned in a podcast that I find interesting: interdependence uh, by Matt Dryhurst and Holly Herdon. They they were talking about uh, this notion of uh, digital prime, in which nowadays, in this extremely uh, digitally mediated world, we have access to certain tokens, certain portals that gives us access to to ideas, to, uh, yeah, tokens of value in cultural terms or in terms of, yeah, cryptocurrency that they have no equivalent in the physical world okay and in the past we needed certain activation tokens let's say for accessing symbolic material or uh, yeah for accessing to to uh a certain milieu let's say painting you need the physical painting to be somewhere or you can have a a recording a physical recording or you could have yeah access to yeah this this physical token that activates uh, a new a new way of uh, making worlds basically to to produce culture that goes beyond our yeah determination as Biological organisms, etc. But now there is this, this this trajectory that we perceive, and in the last year has been uh, very dramatic. The way in which we see a an asymmetry between our worlding in the physical space and the worlding uh, taking part of yeah how we produce subjectivity in social media how we engage with different activities only mediated by technology etc and i am sure that from a rigorous understanding of the labor theory of value this presents a lot of problems for understanding for example yeah the economic value of stuff like uh, NFTs so yeah i mean I think it could be interesting to know a little bit from from your point of view that it's informed from uh, Marxism, uh, labor theory of value. How do you see this? If it's just another instance of capitalism reproducing itself in new social conditions that are determined by new advancing technology? or if you see something novel that we should be aware hmm.
1: um, Yeah, I mean, there are many ways to answer it. We um, could uh, draw a triangle between I mean, Marx, uh, Benjamin and Jameson. Jameson, The Aesthetics of Singularity, a very important argument on the assimilation of development in the art market and the world of financial capitalism, financialization. Uh, Benjamin with his good old um, para-Marxist redoubling of the work of art as having a split character, exhibition value and count value, and Marx, of course, with you know, what we just talked about, the real character of the commodity, use so value, exchange value, and how exchange value expresses the social relation. Uh, that goes by the name of value uh, the substance of which is abstract labor uh, that could be put in in, in different um, constellation to produce an argument here uh, first of all I would say um, I agree with your um, uh, uh, analysis of the situation that the illusion that there could be an equivalent, kind of a, material representation to that which is traded on the art market is more and more fading however we could always say that um, the art commodity has always has has always the specificity the particularity of the art commodity has always been that it shows the general functioning of capitalism in an extreme way, it is basically a kind of showing of a showing, the showing, the the presentation of how capitalism presents itself in its functioning. So um, ever since, especially think of modern art, modernist art, remember the classic moment, you go maybe with Some relatives who are not uh, aware, or friends who are not aware of the history of modernism, you go to the museum and somebody will say, I can do the same, my three-year-old can do the same. And of course the fantasy that there should be a use value that somehow is in tune with certain equivalents with its exchange value. That has never been the case in capitalism. Capitalism um that has always been a power struggle Uh, it is actually the unevenness of the social relation itself how this is being traded so that has been an illusion from the start that the exchange value the use value is always superseded by the exchange value and the exchange value uh, sorry the use value is not grounded in use some ahistorical category or some extra capitalist usefulness no it is just that contingent thing, text, material, immaterial, to which a value can be attached, or how it can become a vessel, the medium, the bearer, so to speak, also the token of value in its fluidity, in its transitory moment going through it. It has always been the case. However, that is not how we relate to use values. Actually, we would like to have certain commodities and we look at the use value of course but use value doesn't mean anything of use the use can also be that i just throw it in the toilet or that i attach some imaginary value to it and i mean today what i see with um, nfts or crypto art is that that the representation of that value has further dematerialized, but also to a, in a much more radical sense that the cult value, uh, I mean, we've called it the, cult, the fake cult value, of what used to be called aura, you know, unique in one place, that you can produce this now out of the media sea, the medium, the media of physical presence, time and space, and you can produce a singularity. Something that exists only unique one time. Of course, not only in this, but you can abstract from time here uh, uh, and also from space, but you can create a singularity uh, that cannot be rendered double in time and space. So That singularity itself became can become the use value, the bearer, the vessel, the medium of value. That is pretty much the logic of what capitalism is all about. So again, art shows us, it's a showing of a showing, a presentation of a presentation, of uh, of the functioning of how capitalism functions. That's the exposition that Benjamin would call it the exhibition value of art. So, but again you can say, this is more radical, uh, that um, maybe the um, the human mind is very slow in grasping the radicality of the social relation capitalism and it seems kind of a novelty that you can actually use singularity as such, because there is no material equivalent to it, I mean, in in, in the life world, you can imagine something to it that this could already function as a use value, that you would like to have for the very reason of its uh, uniqueness. But if you think, earlier on, people have sold performances in art, because that was also the promise that you cannot reproduce this in a different time. Or people give a lot of money to you to have a personal conversation with you, whatever the reason is, it's just the precious time that you can have with somebody which also has the promise of singularity so that i mean i really recommend um, this essay um, to discussing it um, aesthetics of singularity of jameson it's a powerful Uh, argument i think um so the nft artwork or artwork is too much art text or let's say a, a crypto art or art let's let's not talk about art here for a moment just crypto commodity that has an add-on that can singularize something which by its very medium is reproducible beyond the distinction of copy and original actually exactly what Benjamin wanted uh, the the work of art in its age of technological reproducibility that exactly this can be re-singularized and can get this kind of or maybe we should not say fake, there is nothing fake here. It's the capitalist cult value in Benjamin's terminology and it can be traded. So it's pretty much in the logic of that. What gets shattered though is the uh, outdated slow fantasies of a certain equivalence between exchange value and use value. And it's good that this is shattered because capitalism has never been about specific use values
2: but i think the interesting aspect is that the um, the singularity that we can find in here with the nfts is the smart contract itself it's not actually the the image or the text that it's located uh, in this ipfs and it's this is is i mean everyone can access and see this file and do a screen capture or reproduce this file. The thing that it's inscribed in the hash of the block is this contract which presents maybe mm, noble understandings of exchange because actually when you trade or whenever uh, we trade with more sophisticated protocols, inscribed in, in Ethereum, uh, we will start to see this not as trading baseball cards, but trading smart contracts. So, yeah. new, I am interested in, in the forms in which capitalism can exploit these differences and inequality in these contracts. So we can imagine, for example, someone who has as property different NFTs with different um, that produces different incomes, imagine we use this in order to receive some income from uh people who are using hot desks so they are using these hot desks and the smart contract provides uh, a, a decentralized automatized payment in ethereum to the owner and you do nothing you bypass the third trusted uh party and basically uh, yeah, you can have workers using your workspace and that's that's a, an easy way in which I think we can understand um, platform capitalism using this new technology of the Web 3.0, and integrating this for companies like Amazon that relies on different sorts of drivers or, yeah someone renting office space but for the art world when we start to exchange these smart contracts i mean i think it's too early on uh, i wonder if uh, we are going to see a moment in which the the file that it's associated with uh, yeah this part of the hash in which the location of the ipfs uh, will become irrelevant, and the piece of art is the the smart contract and the the surplus that will be exploited in the art world will be a surplus produced out of these differences that are being exploited between different smart contracts. But
1: that is what has been always the case on the financial market. I bet (laughs) every contract is a smart contract there because in exchange of derivatives uh, um, uh, 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 um, values, I will bet on a certain time and on a certain exchange value. I will have a certain contract that I use and I bet on that. And I use time there as my medium for singularization. I can also use other media for that. Um, The other thing is that you can produce out of the asymmetry of exchange and production, uh, that you can make this value is, of course, what otherwise might be called original or primitive accumulation. We use other production levels and short circuit. To the global market. Here though you don't need to travel that much, you can do this instantly and you can um, at least create the illusion that you could um, perform the social relation as such, social relation being the one of extraction or exploitation, that you can do this in real time, it can show actually how valued springs off. I mean, how something uneven can be made even. Uh, How something in its circulation can create value that you will then have to figure out was it already in there thanks to the people who coded that or created that knowledge and then that knowledge could be privatized private uh, property from its very beginning uh, and apply it. Wherever you point you cannot find the origin of value. It's a retroactive logic obviously and you cannot do this with any simple vulgar commodity either. There is not the novelty. The novelty is that a couple of um, illusion that we may have about use-value, seemingly use-value based commodity exchange, uh, get disillusioned or or become untenable. or cannot be supported anymore because we cannot create anymore that we don't have enough imaginary uh, investment in that, so to speak, to create uh, the fantasy of certain equivalence or a certain correspondence between two worlds value and things of use that you can actually see however my argument was that has never been the case
0: so if we go back to the concept of reification uh, so do you do you do you see if in the NFT kind of bring in a new point uh to this concept, uh, is, is there, you know, even if you know, well, for example, if we talk about sensuous uh, supra-sensuous, you know, like I guess the, you know, the sensuous is becoming much more distant. I mean, you brought the issue about financialization that is, you know, already, uh, but don't you see uh, some differences in what is happening, or do you just see an extension of this process of kind of uh, bringing new forms of mediation?
1: Yeah, I mean capitalism is not a thing, but a state, Uh, sorry, but a a movement, not a state, not a thing, but a movement, a non-identical social relation. So that it is changing all the time, Is it's modus operandi, if it would stop, um, then it would uh, cease to exist immediately, it's a purely social relation. So, of course, I see a lot of differences. The question then should be uh, maybe put this way, do, you, do I see a, a kind of categorical change or kind of leap where you can say a certain, as we said in the beginning, a certain quantity now leaps into a different quality uh, in terms of how value production is staged, produced, performed and so on and circulated. And you yeah, know, I think we have to wait, Maybe, maybe, because I think that it will have effects on how people will try to reinforce the fantasy of use value, or whether we are on the next level of uh, of use value, where we could say it actually has nothing to do with use, and in this vulgar material sense. And yeah, I mean. I don't think that capitalism will become self-transparent to itself. It's not a problem of consciousness, obviously, but as capitalism's crisis-driven, there is always the um, the uh, the push towards the necessity, the structural necessity, to find new gold mines where you can actually harvest uh, abstract labor and the concrete labor that. can do through coding, uh, is something that can produce a lot of abstract labor. Even though abstract labor is not a thing that you could actually measure, it's a social relation that in its effects shows what value it was. So again it's a vector, it's a movement again. Something that by its very nature must be more than it is. It's the same with surplus value. There is no value and then surplus value. There is surplus value, therefore there is value. Value is not by its very essence more than it is. And it's no value. It's a non-identical uh, entity. I wouldn't even say entity. this don't want to sound too Deleuzean here, but you can understand the vocabulary, of course. Uh, uh, yeah, this kind of flux, can be presented and staged in in, in different arenas. So, let's see. I mean, that is a new way uh, of giving mix, or or to materialize, to materialize, and I'm not saying immaterialize, to materialize, to give material effect to, or to show the efficacy of what abstract labor is. Uh, But you can't do anything with that knowledge. <laughs> it's completely useless. Uh, you should just do that and be. Um, so hopefully we can become rich, but... Uh, th- of course there's a lot of... Um, there are a lot of question marks we should put here anyways. For what are we doing that? Because you can also say the critical knowledge that is being produced on that can actually be sold along with that commodity and if you look at the art market uh, criticality as they call it today uh, uh, is something that should be an inherent um, gadget of feature built in so to speak in the art commodity so the discourse that we could produce on NFTs as Political as we are, will probably uh, contribute to the use value, or uh, to the exchange value of that,
0: of course. You know, we, Antonias, we are editing a book on the concept of real subsumption, and it's a very complex uh, concept, which often has been uh, understood in historical terms making a periodization, you know, to what extent has, you know, the capitalist relations have extended to different aspects of life. And, you know, I guess Negri, uh, in his reading of the Grundrisse in Marx, Marx but, you know, um, others, you know, from the Italian Autonomist with the concept of the social factory, kind of made a form of totality of the capitalist uh, relation. And there's been, I think, uh, different forms of uh, totalizing uh, the qualities of capitalist relation. And ones have been more kind of logical or systemic. Maybe I'm thinking here of some understandings of, uh, of, you know, coming from value form, you know, in which they almost ontologize value To the extent that you cannot offer uh, a kind of uh, vantage point or a critical vantage point or a political you know a kind of political kind of resistance because this will be already integrated similar to the comment that you just made here around the nfts within the context of art that we will be producing already value which is you know sort of certainly fair enough But, um, yeah, if we think about the totalizing effects of the capitalist relation and to where can one find a leverage point, a critical leverage point, uh, you know, what's your, uh, yeah, what do you think about this? Like, uh, to what extent, how does one in today's uh, uh, moment, find the leverage points or the critical leverage points in which to basically have a a critique or you know, some kind of uh, forms of I guess resistance might be a problematic term, but you know, so you know, to what what do you think about kind of totalizing understandings of capitalism?
1: Maybe two things. One thing would be um what about critique and the other one, what about totality? I think totality is not a thing of theory. Um, I kind of um, get a little impatient after all these years when I hear that, or when I hear the argument that theory would produce a totalizing account on capitalism. Uh, Capitalism is a totality that cannot be totalized, but it is a real totality. Totality just means connectedness. Uh, it is everything is connected there's money there are value relations so um, to disavow totality is a kind of a disavowal of capitalist reality and I think there I wouldn't argue that much but there are people for whom totality in, in this positivist nominalism only exists as a product of the mind of course then also for those people real abstraction doesn't exist. And for those people, the unconscious doesn't exist, language doesn't exist, society doesn't exist. You may say it's the core of neoliberal ideology. But not only. It's classic liberalism if you want. Sure, there you can't argue. Uh, but as soon as social relations are can be thought of and social relations fabric of them is the is abstract interconnectedness, of course then we have totality. So and that's all to say there. However, you cannot have a God's eye perspective on that totality as a totalizing view. If I had this, not, not even Hegel's world spirit can do that. Nobody can do this. <laughs> uh, but um, you can, of course, give expression to the totalizing thrust of capitalism. Art is a waste that you can do that but and theory of course as well um, but i think there is no question since capitalism is not an identical trajectory or movement but non-identical it is then also by definition self-critical value criticizes value and i haven't said that entities is uncritical it's very critical and to be critical uh, or crisis and critique uh, anyways share the same root and They are grounded in the non-identical essence of capitalist social relations, and of course they're constantly self-criticizing itself, self-revolutionizing, now I sound like I paraphrase Marx's 18th premier and certain passages of uh, the Manifesto, for sure, definitely um, there is self-critique. because precisely because it's non-identical and the totality never closes itself, but it's totalizing movement, there is something to be done, of course. Um, I think we only have to get rid of metaphors that come with where is the comedian point, where is the right moment, where you will have the greatest leverage of where can you put, you know, as you put this mastermind engineer, who could overlook the whole thing and find the strongest chain or the weakest chain where you can break it up. Of course, these are illusions. You know, to try, try an error. But at least you could put it this way. So, theory, we have a certain grasp of what probably doesn't work. And these are precisely these fantasies or that uh, I think Donna Haraway calls it uh, uh god's tricks you know that we could actually totalize it from a god's eye perspective some neutral spectator or the flip side of which which is to assume that you cannot say anything because we are living with relativism you see it this way i see it that way Therefore, we cannot talk about it uh, i think th- these are the two um can bled, uh, kind of uh, doubles uh, of ideological consciousness that we can exclude, but we don't know for that reason, for that matter. We cannot know. Um, it is a probing, it is an experiment, always and always again, because it's right, because of the non-identical nature, flux becoming uneven and combined of capitalist social relations that constantly self criticizing themselves and we can be uh, an agent of that self-critique that might be able to, you know, put a glitch in there or produce a glitch of that self-critique or in many ways to think about it uh, deterritorializing effects and uh, to try to not make it uh, immediately uh, uh, to allow for uh, uh, re-territorializing uh, constitutive um, self-critique uh, how negativity can be um, forestalled or not forestalled, or could be derailed How we think of unemployed negativity that doesn't result in some new constitutive next level of capitalist social relations all these, I mean, theory has a lot to offer there um, but we don't know where, it's just an experiment and without the trying, without eating the cake, there's nothing to say about that
0: I'm thinking of the Milieu Plateau, the label, uh, and the 1990s, you know, when they were really exploring to quite very interesting extremes the idea of the glitch and the territorialization and, you know, like kind of that. Uh, that, Yeah, so just to... Yeah, but it's uh, permanent to
1: capitalism. We should really insist that... Pro- producing through glitch and uh, uh, de-terrorizing is—I mean—that also what the book actually says. But let's say the um, critical currency of certain Deleuzianism seemed, especially received in, in the art world, didn't get that, and that's a bit sad. This is, of course, how the way of, of course, capitalism works. I think the the, the question would be around totality. Uh, do you want a molecular perspective or? Uh, Or actually, do you have to choose? I think you don't have to choose. There are um, advantages and disadvantages to both theoretical perspectives.
0: You divided uh, my question into uh, a round of totality and then I guess here we were talking about the tools of critique, you know, and the way to how In fact, uh, you bring in one of your texts, uh, you know, a kind of uh, moment in Grundrisse, which explains what he does in relationship basically to a concept, to an abstract concept, how he takes a concept, an abstract that is not yet uh, abstract concept such as commodity, starts to find the concrete forms of determination and then reconstructs it with, you know, as a kind of concept which has the kind of uh, very specific uh concepts that constitutes and determines uh what previously was an abstract uh, uh I, I notion I, th- I think that's uh, still it seems to me a very valid uh form of critique um or do you think that it needs to be uh, reconsidered or that it can be you know updated or um yeah I mean,
1: got it doesn't need to be updated, uh, it's thinking with and against always, but the commodity is an abstract concept, but a concept that as concept, now I sound a little hegelian, participates in the fabric of the social. So abstract relations in the commodity is one, actually weave or interweave or glue together the abstract or the simple abstract determination that form social totality uh, as a concrete totality. Concrete as this where abstract determination have been grown together, concresper. So that is um that's why Marx is not a theory on capitalism to this degree, as you have many perspectives because capitalism is not a thing out there. So through through opening that partial perspective, of course, there is a constitution of the of the object. But that doesn't mean that it is a product a production of theory. Theory is part of reality uh, to this degree the conceptual world is not detached from the world outside otherwise we would really end up with an idealism of language and a vulgar materialism of some imagined world out there we are the black box Uh, these binary um, ontologies and epistemologies I mean they all share to a certain degree this kind of deadlock and it makes them so unsatisfying and also kind of repetitive discussing But in Marx, at least, um, we have a dialectical entry point. And you you can say, uh, however problematic, um, take take away from Hegel, the materialist rational kernel of dialectics, of course, you cannot really say what that is, because the moment you are entangled yourself in Hegel, you never get out of it. Uh, but it's one of those, let's say, non-binary, uh, non-oppositional, non-bourgeois to distinguish um, ways of thinking uh, to to create a critical knowledge in and with capitalism and against it. But there are other ways. We just mentioned also those, uh, but there are also more. But uh, but certainly, I mean, these are. Decisions um, with these certain others are excluded, for sure. And these are the fantasies of natural use values, the essentialization of capitalist social relations, uh, individualism, positivism, empiricism, nominalism. <laughs> Huge. There's there's so much out there, um, which is not just. I wouldn't say it's nonsense, it's interesting and symptomatic, it can be read precisely as certain ways how ideology is constituted, but uh, I mean, because you ask me, do we need an update for Marx or, you know, as it is like an old computer good old, whatever 486 and big tower, we can just put in another and <laughs> sort of update it a little bit and, you know run the software still um, yeah it, it, it is I think it has a lot to do what we think serious or how we relate to theory or that, that theory is something that can be applied obviously I don't think so That very idea uh, is very non-dialectic and non-materialist uh, theory cannot be applied <laughs> and um, the, the, the very idea of application probably already there starts So that's why I also don't think Marx is a thing. It is a text in its afterlife, and through re-reading what we're doing, it's always an original reading, of course, Uh, we can produce something with that. Uh, Marx is only one text, there are many others, but um, it seems to be a very productive text. And it, it has never ceased to uh, annoy our political enemies. So there's a certain battle value to it still, even though you know there are all these kind of appreciations of bourgeois science of Marx. Uh, but they never get to the core of the value theory, of course. Unfortunately there's also another way of kind of idealizing of Marx as that eminence of value theory as certain Marxologists do. Uh, basically, Marx without negativity, yeah. could be without proletariat, without the decentered subject, unconscious subject of uh, exchange value. That is also there. But um, we are late-born people, so of course we can look at these debates and obviously, you know, the encyclopedic um, philology, but just take a sample. What speaks to us at this moment? I, mean, I think this is
0: legitimate. And the notion of reification, I mean, is it... Uh, do you still find it uh, helpful? Uh, because, yeah, it went through very different understandings mm. and... Um, I'm thinking for example of the critique that Adorno does to uh, Benjamin's use of reification, that he gets, you know, Adorno thinks that he gets fascinated by the concept of allegory and that he doesn't you know, go into the electrical kind of...
1: You can say that there is a certain in mm-hmm. theory of to, um, to, uh, uh, reification for uh, critical theory of capitalism. I think there is for sure, why I try to avoid reification is that um, uh, making social uh, a relation a thing is probably less a problem. Uh, it is more the problem that that the things stand in the way of social relations when we to produce a critical theory of capitalism. So, if social relations are rendered as as objective, gegenständliche, gegenständliche, objective relations, relations between objects, I think we don't have any problem here. We understand that. What we don't understand so well is that these objects actually entertain social relations between themselves. But objects don't have objective relations between themselves, but they entertain social relations between themselves. I think this is a little bit harder to grasp. Of course they both both they are two parts of one argument. It seems though the reification argument seems a little bit easier. And it in, invites, of course, a certain, let's say, almost existentialist critique of alienation and reification to become things. Oh, that is so bad. But mm, of course, that is the core of modernity to relate in an abstract man- way. So it can also be used, not in Lukacs, but you know, certain readings. Uh, it, it offers itself for an anti-modern fantasy of what social relations in their ontology actually are and how they are co-opted by capitalism rather than being really subsumed and really produced that's why i avoid the term normally because of these um yeah possible readings but you know this is just um, a question of taste. I think it is equally important because, as I said, both parts, not in one-sided concept, both critical uh, points are in it. may also would like to say that the fetish character of the commodities also fine. Um, others, they're nuances, um, but there are certain consequences uh, in what or what you focus to discuss also opens a different discursive room, you know, and also you talk to different people. uh, Probably that's why I avoid it a little bit, as much as I like Lukács, early Lukács. I don't go with it that much. Sometimes I do, also I use uh, early uh, classic Debord, that also um, the spectacle could be something that can be used as well as, as the social relation of images, and how that can ent- give us an entry point into critical theory capitalism. So there are different ways to do it, but they all have certain shortcomings, and maybe that's why I haven't made... And by the way, real abstraction has also certain shortcomings, so I wouldn't uh, prefer either of them over the other. For certain aspects, uh, they are helpful. So we have a huge palette of uh, uh, brushes for uh, and colors for putting a theory of capitalism. and Not always each of them works. Work so you have to try out.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I think it seems um, it, I think they have a lot to do with what you emphasize. Yeah, uh, obviously, as you said, you know, with reification, you know, understood, maybe even the Lukácsian still has that kind of, it could lead into existential kind of understandings. Probably the board also presupposes a kind of uh, subjective kind of reading, uh, which can be problematic. Instead, real abstraction, it kind of uh, focuses mu- much more into that kind of, there is a much more distant, you know, in the relationship between, you know, the moment in which concrete labor becomes abstract labor, you know, it's a much, you know, then that kind of, you, you, uh, distance the kind of, uh, what is supposed to be the receptor of the effects of it. And then, you know, and, um, you know, how do you understand the effects also becomes quite, uh, problematized as we've been talking about. I think that's, um, but uh, yeah, maybe if you could just mention briefly the shortcomings, what you find the shortcomings of the use of the concept of real abstraction.
1: Yeah, obviously there is one reading that uh, tries to reinscribe the understanding of real abstraction back into a problem of philosophy of consciousness. So that it would be an abstraction from use value. It's for me almost, yeah, I don't know, unexplainable how you uh, uh, can arrive with such understanding. So as if there would be an omission and kind of a cognitive dissonance or problem that you don't see use value or a systemic need to overlook use value, that would be then great abstraction. Obviously, that's not the case. It's not a problem of consciousness, um, but as it is put uh, or framed in, in, in Sonritel, we have of course a problem in uh, where it comes from. So he wants to tell us nevertheless a kind of a logical genealogy or like a, a formal genesis, the genesis of a form uh of uh, real abstraction and roots it or locates it in um, the exchange of equivalence and of course then you run risk of coming up with pre-capitalist forms of real abstraction and then you have to tell us what is the specificity of real abstraction in capitalism uh, in distinction maybe to other forms and you can go to the greek or also to greek science and Mathematics, Euclidean uh, Geometry, and so on, and then you can say what is abstraction there, and what is abstraction later. And then That argument of this misreading is, I think, uh, inherent in Sonreto. You can make this argument it's with Sonreto, so there are certain shortcomings as well. Um, you can also read, um, so, um a real abstraction as social abstraction uh, with Hegel and Marx, uh, like uh, Jamila Muscat does, and I find this also very convincing, um, to distinguish between intellectual abstraction, bad abstractions, they um, just you know, summarize under a higher concept, more abstract concept, certain particulars, versus real or social abstraction that is the actual doing performing weaving putting together of abstract determinations in a social relation that is being performed if you want uh, uh, by the form of law by the form of proper uh, the legal form of property through acting to becoming a capitalist agent and so on um, you're doing that. And here you can actually have the theory of real abstraction. However, the problem is then, how do you distinguish between the real abstraction and the intellectual abstraction? Or well, what is the problem here? And I found it interesting that uh, in Jamila's paper she argues that one is reversible and the other is irreversible. So the irreversibility of real abstraction, you can undo it, but you cannot undo it symmetrically, you cannot just go back. As in the mind you can do, of course, you can abstract and concretize, again, you can do this going back and forth. No harm is done, so to speak, you know. But in society, um, or in what modernity actually is, as social relations, run uh, or moved by the form of commodity. You know, real abstraction cannot be undone so easily, like that you just go back. Let's concretize again, or undo. You know there's a certain irreversible uh, trajectory of real abstraction in, in in producing the social fabric, and to undo it needs a detour, Obviously, you cannot undo it the same way as you came, so to speak, because theory also is a bit late in theorizing that which has already happened. And, uh, of course, there you can have the problem that you would say, then it's real abstraction is our fate. So, uh, what what, what do you, um, as a political conclusion, can draw from that? Maybe you can say, we can't do anything, or you could say, it needs different, non-capitalist modes of organizing real abstraction. If you say that, you may also say, social mediation, a mediation in which social cohesion, Zusammenhang, some uh, relations are produced through divisions, that such a society is not necessarily wrong, but you can also create this, but in, in, in a different manner, in a, in a non post-capitalist manner. And then this question, and I think this is the productive trajectory of that question, would also result then in a different understanding of alienation. Maybe there's a non-capitalist, post-capitalist mode organizing alienation. I mean, organizing alienation is just a different way of saying How do you organize um, uh, social relations uh, where you don't have community um, or the fantasies? You could have direct social links without any medium uh, that organizes uh, the form of of social mediation. And I think it needs something other than money, other than the commodity form. Uh, and I think that is up to discussion, there's also, we we are thinking in this direction, many do, but you cannot just think of, we could abolish alienation, maybe we can abolish the capitalist form of alienation, capitalist form of grid abstraction, capitalist form of organizing a social ontology of abstraction, I cannot get rid of abstraction. Uh, and I think there are, history has shown at least that many anti-modern, to this degree of course modern, ideologies who try to get rid of abstraction uh, ended up in a complete mess. Um, I mean, 20 centuries full of that mostly right-of-wing, of course. You can say, fascism is an organi- I mean, it's the organization, the political organization of the fantasy that you could actually get rid of, with abstraction in society. You can't, yeah. but uh, you can maybe find a different figure through which you could imagine to get rid of it. And so, it's a politically politically really charged uh, decision there in this battleground. Where to position? It's not just you know uh, a question of uh, theoretical hobbies <laughs> or taste, as I said earlier, with going with Taylor or lewis I think Andy both and others as well. But I think a theory of modernity. Um, and of course, there we are. of modernity, a theory of capitalist modernity that allows for a a practice and theory of non-capitalist modernity, at least as layers of strata within capitalist modernity, uh, is is a highly political question. From there a lot follows. And I think if, if the conversation is there, at least certain, let's say, fascist answers to that. Can be excluded, which is already quite a lot. Especially in our times, when we have, yeah, we have, you <laughs> how you can call that the resurgence of the the um, the rise of neo-nationalism, chauvinism, and whatever. Uh, that. Have, their own, have produced again their own fantasies of how you can get rid of the real abstraction that seems so automatic, which is automatic, <coughs> um, beyond control of capitalism. To so we gain control <coughs> through some ideological programs, that capitalism is institutively beyond control, but that any society is beyond control, and that we need a political uh, organization of how to deal with the uncontrollability society that this is actually the question not um, a faithful whatever like like accepting my fate of being in a society is beyond control so let's get rid of politics and let it just run by some bigger imagine the old fantasy of the (laughs) youth versus the idea let's regain control then you have the brexit people Uh, you have many nationalisms in Europe and elsewhere. Uh, I think these two ideological uh, uh, complementary forms of ideology can be <coughs> um, criticized and of course there's nothing to get there for us. But we can criticize that. Yes. So maybe there is <coughs> not so much um, hope in terms of hope is from long, long term i don't have any um propositions to make but i think it's still an important question because it intervenes it's an anti-fascist activity actually
0: uh, yeah i mean um i think there you were uh pointing towards something with uh, the concept of alienation and think uh of it beyond its, you know, negative consequences. And this, uh, I think it can be very helpful and politicized because, you know, you can use the forms of alienation, which might be more existential, but that everybody's feeling, especially since the pandemic, is, I think, a term that anybody can relate to it. And through that, you can maybe show at the complexities that you just mentioned you know do then from there you can you know point towards you know the structural forms which uh you know alienation is based upon and you know then you can quantify you know these different forms of alienation you know and try to understand uh or better uh you know deal with uh the different understandings, uh, concepts, notions, and the repercussions that each understanding has. I think uh, there's a moment in someone's book which I found it uh, extremely helpful, in which is you know capitalism makes you having to deal with alienation individually as if it's your own problem. You know, but the, mm-hmm. the question will be to try to show it's st- structural, mm-hmm. uh, you know, conditioning. So I think there's. Uh, I, th- I think it's a term that on the one hand people can definitely relate to it then it will have to be recharged and reconsidered and certainly uh, taking into consideration the critiques that you just mentioned about the fantasy of over- either overcoming alienation or this organic form of understanding the subject you know, or its relationship to nature you know that I think uh, it it's, it's definitely it should be uh, reconsidered and at, uh, maybe, uh, you know, certainly there is one concept if we have time that I would like to uh, bring because uh, there is this quote that you bring uh, almost always or very often by Marx in the first edition that you cast on the first edition of, uh, of Capital, uh, these compelling images, as, as you call it. Um, it is as if alongside an external to the lion, to lions, tigers, rabbits, and all other actual animals which form, when grounded, grouped together the various kinds, species, species, families, etc., of the animal kingdom, there existed also, in addition, the animal, the individual incarnation of the entire animal kingdom. And for you, this uh, quote is very important and is crucial. And it kind of, it made me think actually uh, in relationship um, to what you were talking, uh, in relationship to real abstractions in the, ma- understood in the material or intellectual level. And here it makes me think actually on the different use of the concept of subsumption uh, in Kant and in Marx. And while here with this quote, it seemed like it's a understanding of subsumption in the Kantian sense, in which you know specifics you know become part of a broader category. Um, uh, th- then it marks it will bring the kind of specific kind of material forms of determination that constitute uh, this other uh, you know in this process of subsumption, and and I think. Uh, that's when I thought that almost, you know, the, the what you were talking uh, in relation to real abstraction uh, was so close to the concept of subsumption. Obviously, they are very linked together, but uh, the notion of subsumption points towards that moment, which, uh, a precise moment where that kind of uh, meeting uh, occurs between the kind of... Uh, and then here it becomes uh, very... Uh, Complex. Whether you already said that there is something that is no longer, you know, that is is no longer mediated or not, but you know, like certainly um, there is a moment where you know labor process uh, enters the valorization process in which you know certain categories already determined or uh, you know they the need to be presupposed in order for this to occur. But yeah, like uh, how, how do you think of the concept of subsumption in relation to real abstractions? Is it something that can uh, help or you see the connections?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely see the connection. Thanks for mentioning this. Um, you could say there's one way of understanding abstraction as a merely intellectual process. Um, the animal the, the abstraction of the real animals, the mental activity. In parallel, you could say, you would understand subsumption as an analytic operation. You cut uh, existing concrete that you would like to subsume into its parts and sum them up. But at the same time, I would also argue, that it's certainly true, that subsumption is also a synthetic activity that actually produces and loose together, if you want, as real subsumption that which then can be grouped together. This is one one way of um, seeing the connection, the real abstraction. What makes the image so compelling is, of course, that it is not just an image. Structure of that image is actually how capitalism works. So it's not just a picture of something else, uh, and that, that is so the very structure of how it works is it's amazing. So the other animals are animals because they relate to each other as animals. Maybe not for the animals, they like lack self-consciousness, but let's say. Uh, you would say that they have a relation to each other as subspecies or whatever, my kind or not my kind. Uh, so there's a relation of animalhood, if you want, is their relation. But there isn't... but this animalhood, the social relation, if you want, animal relation, social animal relation, whatever opposed to a non-human relation that they have as animals so that this mediation this relation nothing else is meant when i say relation but this mediation has existence of its own so this is, it, it that's nothing new actually of course they really exist but they know each other as different animals of course you will say animals uh, don't know each other as animals and I already said animals to maybe the wrong example, maybe they can only know each other as, you know, one subspecies against the other, not as animal versus humans. But nevertheless the, the image holds, the structure holds, because there is the as-if agency and existence of the animal that organizes and the social mediation, because otherwise they might be some <coughs> striped thingy, zebra and some hairy whatever. If you are a fan of Monty Python, uh, the first um, season, then you were, and uh, not Monty Python, uh, Mighty Bush. I always fix them up. I don't know, British, <laughs> great uh, sense of humor. Uh, where the remember <coughs> in Mighty Bush and the first uh, season where the the, the zoo, the zoo um, manager, the manager of the zoo cannot remember all the names of the animals. And we said carpet man or the striped one, the hairy one, who does, you know, exactly like that. Uh, there is no zebra, there is no lion, there is no rabbit. Only thanks to their social relation as animals or as different species, and this mediation, their relation has the existence of its own, which of course is uh, uh, is uh, it, 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 it has an existence in money, and money is not reducible to a thing or to a token or to, a, to something you can grasp. It's the expression of a social relation. And this is real abstraction, of course. It is the real abstract that means that that which is not which doesn't abstract from them, you know. All the animals are there, and then I abstract. Ah, They all have that. They all have that. I analytically put them into their, into their predicates, and then I say, oh, okay, I can sum them up here. No, um, that there are animals at all, and that they have relations as animality. Uh, that this is thanks to the real, real existence of the abstract determination of animality. However, of course, now we have have to be very um, clear with Marx, this doesn't mean that the concrete animals are an expression of the abstract category of animals. Not at all. They come into being not through this, through this kind of... uh, intellectual um, reconstruction of the real abstraction. But the social relations as animals or the animal relations as different subspecies that they entertain are there, are really there through the way they relate to each other. And the mode how they relate to each other um, is something that is not reducible to the existing animals that you can count there, no, that has existence of its own. So, uh, and that makes it so beautiful. So, it is, they, 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 so to speak, even though you can say the social relation produces these animals, but on the other hand, they also, in a more vertical, uh, sorry, horizontal understanding, exist in the same space next to each other. But that's not the case for animals, uh, only for the scientists who group the animals together in the book, uh, in zoology, <clears throat> but in capitalism it is like that. The social mediation as such has an existence of its own that can almost uh, polemically confront as, as an that that, that, uh, encounters each and every other animal commodity as money
0: when you were talking about the animals they were there you know the animals existed you know before or you know they were independent of this category or this you know the animal you know that they were and i was thinking of the humans in relationship to capital obviously we were there before the emergence of capitalism but, you know, when if you think about, you know, artificial intelligence or, you know, these machines, then they will be constituted by the, you know, capitalist relations, you know. And that will be, uh, you know, a kind of, you know, certainly there will be a, a, a difference, you know. And uh, the question that it came in several discussions already you know uh, since a few years is like what it will take you know is there a moment in which you know uh, a machine could produce uh, surplus labor time that it could actually be variable capital that it will stop being fixed capital because it will be able to reproduce itself or is that uh, is that not possible Um, and I would love to hear your opinion about that
1: Uh, I mean that is the second part of the question <clears throat> for me really really important. Can machine and of course machine learning AI, uh, I think it's the wrong term AI but whatever, uh, intelligence is artificial first of all but these machines are not intelligence but that's another topic we can talk about. I would say very simple and uh, there we can exploit samuel's book of course. Uh, Value production needs the agency of an unconscious subject. And as long as computers do not dream, as long as there is no decentered subjectivity, as long as there is not negativity in in, in the language production of artificial intelligence and machine learning, as long as this is the case, or as long as machines don't have an unconscious, to put it bluntly, there will be no value production, neither in language, nor in economy. So it will, to, to say it in Marxian terms, it will remain machine, uh, fixed fixed capital and not variable capital. Very simple. However, uh, we will live in a situation <clears throat> where variable capital doesn't exist anymore, I mean, it's already Marxist times, doesn't exist without the fixed capital, you cannot have raw uh, variable capital, you cannot localize it anymore, it's already in the machine, spread so to speak in the machine, so you can then say, analytically, what do I win by saying AI cannot produce value, because the unconscious agency, if you want, an unconscious subject, labor power, is already in the machine. It's there dispersed. uh, uh, What what do I gain from saying, yeah, yeah, but this is not yet value? Then of course you can say, sure, but this has been true ever since. Can you tell me a machine or a, a theoretical apparatus it can determine where abstract labor lives, where abstract labor is produced, where, you know, of course that's a fascist fantasy that you could actually point where value is and then we can get rid of these people and can get rid of capitalism. No, we cannot as a social relation. Uh, so, the, so the idea of uh, locality, localization, where is the site of value production is already an idiotic one interesting point here is more uh, is a political one uh, we don't need to uh, destroy so-called artificial intelligence in order to liberate ourselves <clears throat> so we don't have to be be luddites to destroy the machines we can repurpose umfunktionieren, we are refunctioning repurpose machines and make them different uh, or produce other machines um, so it is something also against uh, a vulgar anti-modernism that would say let's get rid of technology all these mediations uh, you know corona also shows us too much talking to the screen is bad of course it is but uh, that's not the problem hmm. <laughs>